Our scripture reading today comes from the 17th chapter of the book according to Luke, verses 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. That's the way it's written in your pew Bibles. But in preparation for this, I read it from a different version. So I'll share that with you. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to one through whom they come. Somehow that made better sense to me than stumbling. (laughs) But anyway, Jesus said to his disciples, occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you if a millstone were hung round your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. But if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you rather not say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later, you may eat and drink. Do you think, do you thank your slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The word of God for the people of God. Let us be in the spirit of prayer as we reflect and illuminate this text. God of love and light, in the still spaces of our lives, we inch forward to hear you whisper the word that you have for us today. Be in the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts that those present here may be touched with your undying love for each of us. Amen. So for the past five weeks here at FCC, we've been tending the health of our church and tending the health of our souls in a sermon series entitled Tending the Soil, Tending the Soul. We've been looking at how we contend the soil of our ministries that we love here at FCC, and yes, how we contend our individual souls. So today I'd like to have a little dialogue. Um, We want to 
share today something about faith. So what I'd like for you to find is a neighbor or two to talk to about this question. We're going to have a little time to talk to one another and share what comes to mind when you think about faith. What comes to mind when you think about faith? So go ahead and find a neighbor or two and discuss what is just pops in your mind when you think about faith. Let's hear, let's hear some of your wisdom. So who would like to share some of the wisdom about faith? What comes to your mind? What comes to mind when you think about faith? Anyone want to share what comes to mind? Yes, Janine. Widening your thoughts. And finding strength. Thank you. Mary Jane, you had something? So doubt also comes to mind when we're, when we're talking about faith. Absolutely. Questions and doubt dig us deeper. Anyone else want to share what came to your mind when you think about faith? Mystery. That's in our mission statement, right? We embrace the mystery. Feels, feels unsteady, right? Yes. Trust. Yes. Trust, yeah. So something her dad said <laughs> was something that you full-heartedly believe in, but you can't prove. So scripture says faith is hope in that which is unseen. Yes, Alyssa. Strength and motivation. One last share. Anyone else want to share the wisdom that you... Openness. Pastor Jerry, what do you think? Oh, oh, he's going to give a dissertation. Okay. Faith has two formulations. Okay. Okay. Capital F. Which is the theology. So small f is trust. And we know in the Greek, faith is a verb, but we don't say to faith. We say we have faith. And it's like, so it's something that we almost possess. And so we hear Jesus talking about that in the, in the text, right? We hear Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he has a few teachings that he gives to them. And the first one, he says, there are going to be lots and lots of opportunities for you to get it wrong. Tons of opportunities for you to fall and fail. So let's not tempt each other to do that. We, we're not going to go, oh, girl, let's talk about the so-and-so. <laughs> oh, girl, let's talk, let's gossip, right? We're not going to cause each other to, to, to fall and to fail. We're not going to do that. And he said, and if one of us does mess up, since we're going to do it, we're humans after all, let's address it. Let's put it out there in the open. Let's talk about it. Let's not be afraid to talk about how we've messed up with one another. And so if that person feels bad about what they've done, instant forgiveness. And we're going to do it 
over and over and over again. It's not one and done, but it's over and over again to this like absurd number of seven times a day. And seven, as we know, in scripture is the complete time. It's infinity, it's infinity but it's also as much as it takes right? As much as it takes. We're not going to see a person come in the door and say, remember what she did 10 years ago? Yeah. We're going to forgive as much as it takes. We see that person come in and we say, I forgive you. And that whole business, that awful business at the end of the text around slaves and slaves not having a place at the table and yada, yada, yada. This is an ancient text, right? Slavery kind of makes us go wacky in our heads. But what he's really saying is that, is that we're not going to expect a reward, a reward for holding one, of, one another accountable, not tempting one another in forgiveness. It's just the thing we do as Christians. So don't expect a cookie for doing what you're supposed to do, right? That's what basic, I, I should do a gospel according to Heather. <laughs> Translation of Jesus's words. So according to Jesus, it's It's not love if we don't hold one another accountable. It's not love if we don't hold up the mirror to one another because if we don't hold up the mirror to one another, we're not giving each other the opportunity to change our course. And we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to forgive each other. Gotta be accountable and have those opportunities for forgiveness. And it's this thing about forgiveness that leads the disciples to just go, ah, increase our faith, Lord. And accountability is hard enough, but forgiveness, that's even harder. There are lots of circumstances, and I'm sure you guys can think of them too, of like where the idea of speaking a truth to someone and forgiving them or ourselves, that seems impossible. So the disciples assume this thing that faith is something to have. We have faith. It's a possession. It's a commodity to have. So if we just have more of it, we'll be okay. And the news flash from Jesus is, no, it isn't. So years ago, I was in therapy, still in therapy now, And my therapist gave me an exercise to do. She told me to go home and write my own eulogy. It's a powerful exercise. I don't know if you've ever done it. But if you're ever feeling stuck or faced with an impossible situation, go home. What do you want people that, your your loved ones, people that you love, how do you want them to remember you? So here's an excerpt from my eulogy. And I put it in my daughter Lula's voice. Mom's biggest love was to open her home to friends and family. She delighted in planning dinner parties, creating fun and eclectic menus for friends and family. Mom loved having me and Ruby's friends in her house. The more the merrier, she would say. Our friends were always coming in and out of our house, and the hot tub was always fired up, and there was always snacks in the pantry, wine in the fridge, and cornhole set up in the backyard. Mom had this knack for extending the dinner table with card tables and leaves and other little things that she would find around. 
just so that the neighbors and the friends and the family could gather. She wanted our family's home to feel like a relaxed and safe haven for all people. Mama left the light on and the door open. When I read this little piece out loud in my therapy session to my therapist, she asked about my house. And I was like, oh, well, that's not ever going to be a reality. That's just a fantasy. I'll never own my own house. You see, I've lived in 16 rental apartments in the past 27 years. In my 20s, I was able to fit everything I owned in my hatchback Honda Civic. It's kind of a place of pride for me. I liked being a nomad. I said I'd never be a homeowner because my feelings about capitalism and ownership of stolen land and how loans are granted and to whom. Pretty self-righteous, yeah? But if I were truly, truly honest, it was all a smokescreen for how scared I was. I had these narratives in my head about my personality and my capacity to commit and be responsible. Maybe I didn't think I was cut out to do such a grown-up thing. It was fear. Fear is a faith shrinker. We find so many excuses why we cannot live a faithful life. I can't give. I don't have enough money. I can't help because I don't have enough time. I can't forgive because I don't have enough faith. What's the measuring stick for having enough faith? This is the point that Jesus is making today. When an impossible thing is right in front of us, what is the amount needed to engage that impossibility. There's an old 12-step saying that goes like this, I can't, God can, I think I'll let her. There's a writer named Carolyn Miss, and she writes that, yes, that faith and fear are deeply connected. We are afraid of changes in life. And she writes this, The side of a mustard seed faith is powerful enough to bring down a mountain-sized illusion that may be holding our lives together. We fear the transformational power within our own revelations. She goes on to write this, Faith is the power to stand up to the madness and chaos of the physical world while holding the position that nothing external has any authority over what God has in mind for you. So despite a lot of mountain-sized illusions I had about myself and some meltdowns and some madness, this past Friday I bought a house. Finally, I got over myself. I let go of some fears. I let go of some ideas that I had about myself, some old narratives about my personality. I forgave myself for being irresponsible at times in my 20s. I forgave myself for being so afraid and small. And I'm assuming I'm going to have to do that over and over again. There's nothing like getting that paperwork with 
30 years of payments on it. It's like, <gasps> commitment. Over and over again, I'm going to have to forgive how I feel about that. And I had to do it until I could finally wonder and have this moment, what's possible? What's a, what's a possibility in this moment? You see, having mustard seed faith in this incredibly anxious and scary world requires a little divine imagination and wondering. I gotta sit and wonder, is it possible to end poverty? What would it look like if racism no longer existed, if homophobia didn't, in, didn't exist in our world? What would that look like? It requires knowing that what we can't do, and, that, and it requires let, letting God in to do some of the heavy lifting. And yes, it means asking for some help in our unbelief. Because let's be honest, we do not do this faith thing on, on our own. That's why we come to church with other mustard seed faith people. We have tiny amounts of faith when you think about it. And so when we fall prey to fear and we face the impossible, we send out that bat signal to the people that we trust, people who want us to live our best life, people who give us honest feedback, forgiveness, and love. My little home-owning milestone started from the divine imagination of a eulogy. And, and so I wanted to f- celebrate a little bit on Friday night. And so I invited a f- couple of my female friends over to bless my empty house. And we sat on the floor and we had a picnic of champagne and hummus and cheese and crackers and fruit. One of my friends, she made a blessing candle. And my house was christened with women's laughter and tears and power, is blessed with their real lived experiences and stories of faith. You see, folks, we don't need an increase of faith for any impossible thing in life. We have everything we need for God to do amazing things. We have the faith of a mustard seed, and that is enough. And we have each other. So I have to say, I can't wait to invite all of you over to my new house. Mama is going to need a bigger table. Amen.